Part two is coming up next. This is Locked On Warriors. You are Locked On Warriors, your daily Golden State Warriors podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Warriors your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And again, you can follow me, Cyrus Otzes, on Twitter at DogsRFroadShow and on threads at DogWild. Uh, Summer League was just around the corner. I know folks in the chat wanted me to, to touch on that. And by the way, uh, Fal Sharpton, who writes, I'm starting this season full of hope. I'm with you. Um, there is reason to be optimistic. As, as I said 20 minutes ago, a lot of that's going to come down to Jonathan Kaminga and also I think Moses Moody, um, two great players who just need reps. They need time. Um, and so, uh, but I'm with you. Yeah, so far. So, I mean, look, if Chris Paul accepts a, a, a role coming off the bench so he can actually uh, serve a purpose that will help this team, um, and that purpose being leading a second unit that has Kaminga, that has Moses Moody, that's going to have his former teammate in Michigan uh, or Michigan and Phoenix, uh, Dario Saric. Um, I would love that. I'm with you. But a lot of it's going to come down to Kaminga and not only how Kerr develops and uses him, but how Kaminga is going to turn out. If Kaminga turns out to be the player we all think he is, I'm totally with you. Anything could happen um, this season. Summer League. Oh, by the way, Poison Clan 1717. Uh, writes, uh, uh, why does our team love guards? You can't play all of them. So unbalanced, <laughs> Uncle Si. <laughs> um, and, and again, I, it goes back to what I said earlier. Steve Kerr loves guard. Steve Kerr, it's not so much guards. Steve Kerr loves players who can defend one through five, who can go out there and switch, makes life easier for him defensively. That is his 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 emphasis on smaller players and why he loves them so much. I, I don't agree with that, that philosophy. Uh, I do agree with it to a certain extent, but not just carte blanche, which is what Kerr likes. But uh, I digress. Now, uh, Muppet, how do I pronounce this? Uh, oh my god, I think we we communicate on on uh, on threads or Instagram. Uh, Mapogba, Mapogba is that how you pronounce that? Mapogba thirty writes: The Warriors can't sign a big because Trace Jackson Davis is going to turn twenty four in February, and he needs playing time. You might be right. That, that, that might be real. There, that, that might be a reason, a legitimate reason uh, for the Warriors um, not adding another big. And here's the deal with Trace Jackson Davis. Um, Trace Jackson Davis, I don't know if you had a chance to watch him in Summer League. He played what? He pl uh, did he play one game or two? I can't remember what, what his, his total output was. But the stats I have in front of me, and this is courtesy of, of uh, Warriors Muse on Twitter, which is a, an awesome Twitter account, um, especially if you're all about the Warriors agenda. In 24 minutes of playing Summer League, he scored 18 points. He grabbed 10 rebounds. He had two assists. He had two steals. He had two blocks. And he was 8 for 12 from the field. What stuck out to me the most about Trace Jackson Davis, besides the fact that he's a smart kid, he's a tough kid, I love NBA players um, uh, who, have, who have a legacy, meaning like their parents played, uh, in his case, being Dale Davis, even though Dale Davis was supposedly a bit of an absentee father. Um, I don't know the full story there, but whatever the, the story is, he's got his dad's genetics. Dad was an awesome 
big man in the NBA, Dale Davis. Go check him out on YouTube sometime if you're unfamiliar. Um, and Steve Walton writes those stats and the offense wasn't run through him at all. You're absolutely right, which makes those stats even more impressive. Um, they're not going to be calling plays for Trace Jackson Davis. I love this kid. I still have no freaking idea how he fell to the 57th pick. Um, have to give the Warriors front office kudos for spending money to buy that pick. Uh, the last time they're ever going to be able to do that, this was before the new CBA kicked in. And I could see him playing 10, 15 minutes a game. I could see him contributing legitimately this season. This kid, what stuck out to me, though, besides the fact that he's competent inside in terms of getting easy baskets, in terms of rebounding, I thought he played great defense. You hear a lot of people say this adage that he has a, a great feel for the game, right? And it's really hard to define that adage uh, empirically, objectively. But what I saw in that game that made me see that he had a true feel for the game was his passing. It was very instinctual. He, he didn't think, he didn't hold the ball for a second too long before making the outlet pass. He was doing it on the fly. He was finding the right people and he was setting up opportunities. Now, Trace Jackson Davis is the positive in what was otherwise a relatively meh summer league for a Golden State Warriors team that went 0-5. And, um, and one of the, the, the players that really stuck out in terms of being kind of eh was Brandon Pajemski, the team's number 19 pick. Um, he didn't shoot the ball great. He uh, turned the ball over a lot. Uh, two games in a row, the last two games in Summer League, he missed layups. Layups. These were very simple layups at the, at the end of the game that would have either tied or won the game for the team. Um, now, look, it's it's just Summer League. I'm not judging this kid at all based off Summer League. I'm just simply analyzing what he did in Summer League. Nothing about his judgment, about his critique should extend to next season because, again, it's just Summer League. But in Summer League, Brandon Pajemski did not play well. Now, the player that was picked right after him at number 20, the player that I was screaming on social media uh, for the Warriors to pick because he fell that far down was Cam Whitmore. Cam Whitmore won the Summer League MVP. Cam Whitmore led the Houston Rockets to the championship game of the Summer League. Uh, Cam Whitmore looks good. Cam Whitmore could be a real player in this league. The Warriors could have had Cam Whitmore. That is annoying. It's annoying that Mike Dunley Jr. had Brandon Pajemski number 11 on his draft board. That doesn't give me confidence in Mike Dunley, Dunleavy Jr. in terms of his evaluation of talent. But I'll stop there because who knows? Maybe Summer League is not a place where we can properly judge. And we'll see what happens. I will say this. And, and, and the complaints about Pajemski that resonate to me that have some validity is that he's he's not 6'5". Like, he's listed as 6'5". I've had people tell me who stand 6'5", that have been next to him, tell me he's not 6'5". He's closer to 6'3", 6'4". Um, I did not see the vertical athleticism that people were talking about. I didn't see him making leaps and bounds, monster dunks, flying over people. I didn't see that aspect. But I did see someone who um, does have a high basketball IQ, uh, is can run the offense. I feel like he's a good point guard, um, but he was drafted. I felt, I thought largely first and foremost, because he shot 43% from three when he played at Santa Clara and he wasn't sniffing that um, in the G league. There was one game, I think where he went one for 10 uh, from beyond the arc. So hopefully Pajemski's shooting improves. Um, you know, hopefully we don't talk five years from now about how oh, Cam Whitmore is going to be a future all of famer. Well, 
Brandon Pajemski's playing, you know, overseas in Italy. Uh, hopefully that's not the case. Um, but so far from first impressions, not so great. The salvation being um, that Trace Jackson Davis looks damn good, um, both for the present and for the future. So now Big Red uh, Fitness Mosh. I, I, some of these names are ridiculous. Sorry if I mispronounce them. Uh, writes, you're super down on pods. He didn't make all his shots, but his basketball IQ and passing were amazing. Picking Whitmore is another Kaminga style pick. They've had enough of that route. I, I've heard that complaint before. And here's my rebuttal to that. One, I don't, I don't understand what that even means, a Kaminga style pick. So you're against big, like a strong athletic player. Like you don't think two of those can coexist on a court together. I don't understand that. Uh Whitmore and Kaminga are both showing they can shoot the ball. Uh, they're both showing that they're showing they have a great feel for the game. Now, if your criticism is that Cam Whitmore is another player that, that Steve Kerr wouldn't play, that's a whole different discussion. And again, the blame for that falls on Kerr. But last I checked, there is no rule against having two dudes out there that can play, you know, excellent basketball, who are both big, who can both rebound, who can both play defense. I don't get that. There is nothing, there's there's no good reason to not have two Jonathan Kamingas on a court. Uh, when you only have one, I, I, I do not follow that logic one bit. Uh, so um, I don't understand that. And Steve Walton writes that uh, Whitmore is 19. Yeah. Well, Pajemski's 20. What's your point? I mean, well, well, why is his age such a, you know, big deal? I, I don't understand that. Um, I, I just feel like people are mostly just finding excuses to justify the Warriors not picking him when the reality of, of it is they, they, they might've screwed up. They might've screwed up big time. Um, and, uh, and again, XO wonder, um, did you, if, if the logic, what you're writing here is Kaminga style, uh, is taking a player with potential versus taking a player that can adapt to the league faster. Did you see Pajemski look like a player that can come out tomorrow and light it up for the Warriors? I, I, I did not see that. So if the, if the player you're picking with your number 19 pick is not going to play regardless, then I don't understand what the, what the big deal is. If the player you're drafting is a quote unquote project, which we also now know is not true by the way. Um, so, and, and the fact that, uh, Kurt is a play teenager as well, you know, I don't think we're going to see Pajemski play either. So I don't understand why you would not go with the best player available, uh, in the draft. Um, yeah, exactly. Yo, yo writes that Pajemski is more of a project than Kaminga. I, I don't get that. And, and you know, what's funny too, is I, I sometimes hear like or read or whatever from, from various uh, viewers or listeners of the show, they'll DM me, they'll engage with me. And, and, you know, and for my friends who will call me, you know, they'll bring up these talking points, right? Like, well, Cam Whitmore is the same style, plays the same style as Kaminga. And I'm thinking to myself, like, where did you come up with that? Like, they're not that similar. They're, they're not even the same size, um, you know, but let's say for the sake of argument, okay, they're the same player. Again, what's wrong with that? If, what's wrong with having two big physical dudes out there that can play? De Cam Whitmore had eight steals against the Golden State Warriors. Eight. That's in one game. The dude can play defense now. He can score now. And, and it makes me wonder if just other media members are saying this crap, and and then you and then folks are parroting that stuff back to me or around. I don't know where that stuff originates from. Who cares if he's similar to Kaminga? The more Kamingas you have, in my opinion, the better. But I digress. Um, so. When we come back, I want to play a soundbite uh, from Darvin Ham because he was talking some smack uh, on a podcast with uh, Chris Haynes uh, and and Mark Stein, and it was directed towards Steve Kerr. It was it was pretty wild. It was pretty interesting. So we'll talk about that and so much more 
after I give some love yet again to prize picks because this is a two-parter. And even though the live version of the show is a good long hour, uh, this is going to be split up into two parts. So once again, some love for prize picks. And what's prize picks all about? It's all about over-unders. It's all about picking uh, more or less for a certain individual in a game. And you got to bet a minimum on a minimum of two players. So let's say hypothetically the NBA season's in effect. Stephen Curry might have an, an OU of eight assists, for example, right? It's not just points. It's not just rebounding. Uh, it's a large number of categories you can bet an over-under from. Um, so you pick the over-under on Steph's assists. You pick the over-under on maybe three-pointers made by Clay Thompson. And good luck. And you can win a lot of money back. Um, if you decide to bet on six different over-unders and you bet the maximum amount, you can win a million dollars from just one play on prize picks. The, 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 the withdrawal system is super easy. You don't have to deal with, deal with super sketchy wire services. Um, and and one, of the, one of the many great things is that it's legal here in California. Um, in fact, it's legal in over 30 states and Canada. And entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. Um, so download the Price Picks app. It's super fun. You can go to pricepicks.com as well to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with a promo code locked on. So put in $100, they'll give you $100. And if all you got is $50, $25, $10, $10, whatever you put in, they will match it. So you're playing with double the amount you put in when you start. But you have to remember to put in the promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match of up to $100. You are Locked On Warriors, your daily Golden State Warriors podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Warriors your first listen every day. And the everydayers again uh, tomorrow on the show. Kylan's going to join me again. She's been busy with women's soccer, uh, uh, sending off the women's World Cup team. But she'll be back with me. We're going to uh, go for an hour. Uh, follow us on Twitter at, at uh, Locked On Dubs. That's where we'll announce the official start time for the show. Most likely, it's going to be tomorrow night at 7 p.m. And looking ahead, C.J. Holmes, uh, Golden State Warriors beat reporter uh, for the San Francisco Chronicle, uh, is going to join me hopefully on Thursday. And in the near future, I will have a Golden State Warriors assistant coach on the program. So stay tuned for that. I'm super stoked. You can follow me uh, on Twitter at Dog Surf Rocho, and you can follow me on threads at Dog Wild. I want to play this soundbite, and there's there's still a lot to discuss, but I also need a break, and this will give me about four or five minutes here. Uh, it's a very it's a rather long soundbite. It's an awesome soundbite of Darvin Ham. He was on uh, a podcast that's hosted by Chris Haynes and uh, Mark Stein. And the topic turned to Steve Kerr during last year's conference semifinals, uh, making a flopping reference toward the Lakers. Uh, it was a bit of a mind game, possibly to get the referees on his side. And here is that soundbite. I got to hit the refresh button real fast here because this is on threads and I can't pause Times it. this season. So let's case in point. We were talking about it a little bit before. So. You're playing the Golden State Warriors. Yeah. And that that was actually the playoff series that everybody wanted to see. Yep. That They wanted to see that series. That series actually should have been the, the Western Conference. Well, no, I can't say that because that's disrespecting the champ. Oh, but that was a series. That was a series that everybody wanted to see. For sure. So at a certain point, Steve Kerr goes out 
and accuses your team of continuously flopping, yep. flopping, flopping. So for you that don't know, you know, when you see me during the game, I'm I'm talking to the coaches after the first and third quarter. So I got Coach Ham after the first quarter. There was a play Dennis Schroeder had. He, he really got fouled, like he got fouled, but there was no call. Buzzer ends, ends the first quarter. I saw Coach Ham's reaction. So I'm like, okay, in my head, that's going to be my first question. I'm not thinking anything of what you're about to say. I'm just wanting to get your reaction to that missed call. So I asked you, hey, Coach Ham, I saw your reaction to Dennis Schroeder not getting the call. What, what did you think about that? And I think you completely dismissed that question. You was like, I don't teach flopping over here. We don't flop over here. So if anybody's saying right. anything like that, that I, and it just, I said, and so I, like immediately I was like, oh, this is going to be a viral moment. Like, you don't, you, you don't get those type of questions. I mean, answers in a game interview right there. So you, you, was that something that just triggered you at the time? Like what triggered you to, to get that response right at that point? It's just one of those things, man. Like, I, let me start here, man. I, I have nothing but the utmost respect. For, for the sure. State Warriors, for Steve sure. Curry, everybody. But when you try to paint a narrative, I think, you know, it's like playing chess, playing poker, whatever you want to call it. Guys trying to give themselves any and every chance and every possible way to come out on top of a situation and be victorious, right? Me, I never blame the officiating. It's even hard. Like, we have someone assigned to, like, who watches the game and watch. We may flag certain clips. And all we want is consistency. We don't want, you know, an advantage of the referees to work on our behalf. These guys are the holders of the game, the integrity of the game at that. And so we just want to point out different things in order to try to force a situation where they're just more consistent. And so uh, when you hear certain things, man, like I, I don't, Rob will tell you, my coaches will tell you, I struggle to try to be catty and petty and, and complaining about the officiating and all of this. I mean, it's times we, I just call it like it is. We got screwed a bunch this year, bro. Like early on, we needed some, it was some big wins that didn't go in our favor for just inconsistent officiating. I don't blame that on one individual referee. I'm just saying in that moment in time, it was inconsistent officiating. That's all I'll say and I'll leave it there. I don't want to use that as a crutch because at the end of the day, we have also what we call in our program self-inflicted wounds. When we don't take care of the business, we're supposed to take care of to put us in a position where we can come out victorious. So we address that. But when I'm hearing different sound bites and I'm seeing the game within the game being played and the media and all of that, I don't fuck with it. I don't want nothing to do with it. I'm sorry. Excuse my language, but I, I'm, I, you know, I, I nothing came easy for me. You know, in terms of crossing the T's, dotting the I's, and within my career, whether I was a player, coach, you just mentioned, I went through 10 interviews. Nothing has ever come easy for me. And I want it that way because now it's like I can't just give you a scripted message. I have a testimony. You know, and by the grace of God, I'm sitting here in this position I'm in, working for the franchise I'm working for, and I'd be damned if I let someone try to manipulate the way we approach our game, the competitiveness in which we come with. Like, we're, we're – we're trying to, you know, disguise and, and, and try to pull the wool over someone's eyes where, no, nah, we coming out, we playing smash mouth basketball. That's the way we teach it. That's the way we preach it. And that's the way we're going to execute it when the lights come on. Hmm. So, Coach, you don't view that tactic as 
you know, a, a coach. What, what what's the term? It's lame as hell. Stein, what's the term with coaches? It's uh like a it's a tactic coaches gamesmanship. use. Gamesmanship. He's like yeah. the try to he's a, Steve Kerr's a Phil Jackson disciple. That that's a that was a Phil Jackson maneuver. Okay, but a lot a lot of coaches do like they plan to see in hopes that the calls will go in their favor next game if they. Well, I'm a Larry Brown disciple. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to get out of your work what you put into it. What's up? What's up? Shout out to Coach Brown. Still talk to him. One of a kind. Yes. All right. So that was – and that was uh, Darvin Ham. Did the only thing I have, an, I have an issue with – and by the way, Myers Leonard, I would not mind him as well in the Warriors. Um, The only thing I take issue with in all that is are you seriously going to deny the fact that, Le, that your star player, LeBron James, is one of the biggest floppers this game has ever seen? Ever? Like, do you really think Steve Kerr, well, granted, there was some gamesmanship there. Do you really think there was some credence to that as well? A, a big look, Warriors fans were clamoring for weeks, if not months, for Steve Kerr to say something publicly because he was because we were watching the Warriors getting hacked left and right. We were also watching the Warriors falling victim to other teams flopping on a regular basis. So Steve Kerr, at least I think, had every right to complain. Um, so for Darvin Ham to be in denial about the fact that his own team is in fact doing this is a bit much, in my humble opinion. Um, Brian Thelwell, I do not agree, by the way, that uh, uh, Myers Leonard would be a better option than JaVale McGee, only because I want athleticism, I want defense, and I think JaVale McGee knows the system better, so he would assimilate easier. Um, but again, if Myers Leonard is added to the Golden State Warriors, I'm not complaining. I promise you that. Um, I want to, <laughs> I want to quickly, uh, mention as well. Um, Adrian Wojnarowski, uh, was on Twitter as he always is, but he tweeted out something rather unique, which is that the Warriors have signed Jer uh, Jerome Brown, uh, to, uh, or not sign him, but they invited him to, to training camp for the summer. And the moment I saw that, I was thinking to myself, Times are slow. This is a very slow period uh, when it comes to the news cycle in the NBA for, for Adrian Wojnarowski to be, to be tweeting that because, look, Jerome Robinson is a nice person. I've I've met him a few times. He's not as big as you might think. Like, he's listed, I believe, as 6'4". I'm 5'10", and I swear to God, he looked like he was my height. I, I honestly got to believe that. Like, when, when I saw he was listed as 6'4", I was thinking to myself, how? Um... He's a, another guard, but here's the one thing I will assure every one of you, if you need this, this assurance, uh, Jerome Robinson will not be one of the 14 members of the Golden State Warriors in terms of getting a guaranteed deal. There is no chance in hell of that. Will he get a two-way deal if he's eligible? I don't even know if he's eligible, but, but can he get a two-way deal? Maybe. Uh, I wouldn't hate it. Um, but he's not making the team folks. So please don't worry about that. P please don't think Jerome Robinson is the next Ty Jerome. Um, he's actually better than Ty Jerome. He can play defense at least. Uh, so that's, what's going on there. I don't, I don't know why Adrian Wojnarowski actually expended energy, uh, to type that out other than there was literally, there's nothing going on in the NBA right now. Um, Jerome Robinson was a training camp invite last year. Uh, Jerome Robinson was on the Santa Cruz Warriors last year. And again, he's a fine player. I, I've, I've no, you know, I've no gripes against him. I have nothing negative to say other than that. There's also nothing really special about him. Um, you know, he's, he's not someone who's going to blow you away with any part of his game. 
Um, you know, so if you're looking for someone that's a good chemistry guy, uh, someone that can, you know, give you some minutes for Santa Cruz and maybe help out other players develop. Great. Um, in fact, when I first learned that Jerome Robinson was a former lottery pick, I think it was pick 13th uh, in 2018. That kind of blew me away. I, I had no idea because, and a huge reason why I was shocked is because I've seen him play and he just didn't look like a lottery player. But, um, so anyways, don't worry about Jerome Robinson. Uh, I want to quickly touch on, um, comments that Joe Lacob made, uh, in regards to the two timeline. I have people in the chat mentioning to me that just a year ago, he was on Tim Kawakami's, uh, podcast acknowledging, uh, the two timeline, uh, uh, strategy concept, whatever you want to call it. Um, by the way, Douglas Mike's, how dare you look at you coming in the chat, just ruining my good, good mood. Douglas Mike's writes, Anthony lamb might get one of the two ways. Kirk can't quit him. Please tell me that's conjecture. Please tell me you're just saying that that's your own opinion. And that that's not a report somewhere. Um, you almost brought my entire night down. Uh, <laughs> Um, Gilbert, why are you writing that I'm ghosting this podcast? I'm right here, brother. I'm not here with you. Um, so, uh, but I, I, I digress. Oh, it's because of the, because of the Anthony Lamb, uh, uh, conjecture. Um, and no XO wonder, uh, I did not read Draymond Green's recent comments on Jordan Poole. I did not. Is that new? Like, did that come out today or, um, I might play that on tomorrow's show. I, you've got me, uh, definitely curious and intrigued. Um, but real quick, and yes, pull up. I will be I'll be joining your show in just a minute. I just emailed you, letting you know I'm going to be ten minutes late. Um, in fact, for folks who want to uh, continue watching uh, Warriors content when this is done, which will be finished up in just a few minutes here, I will be joining the Pull Up Basketball Podcast. Go check them out on YouTube. Um, I both and, and uh, yeah, so I just emailed you. Sorry about that. Running a little late here, uh, but anyways, the two timeline thing. I, I just really quickly want to touch on that before we we call it a wrap here. Um, Joe Lakin was interviewed by the San Jose Mercury news and he said something kind of interesting. I, I, I thought it was just because we've heard this two timeline reference over and over and over. I've never understood what the Genesis of that was. I've never personally heard Lakeb utter the phrase two timeline. Um, you know, I've never really seen actions that indicate the warriors are trying to bring in projects while simultaneously, you know, maintaining, world championship contention. I just thought, look, they have draft picks. They have to use them. Um, they've been picking the best players available. Uh, you know, I mean, James Wiseman obviously was a massive mistake, but at the same time, go back to 2020, there weren't a lot of people calling out the Warriors for, you know, drafting a bus. No one just knew. No one really knew what to expect from that guy. Um, Kaminga and Moses Moody, even though they're, they're younger players when they're drafted, I wouldn't call them, you know, players for the future instead of players that could, you know, are just as good that could be used now. Um, so anyway, so Joe Lacob told the San Jose Mercury news quote, there's no such thing as the two timelines. There never was and still isn't and never will be. <clears throat> Excuse me. There's only one timeline and the timeline is every year to put the best product on the floor, to have the best team, to compete the best you can to win a championship unquote. Um, okay. <laughs> I just, you know, I, I, and again, I it just, the only reason why I, I even, I even utter that is because the two timeline thing, I never knew where that originated. Like, I just hear people talk about that all the time, but until Lake have said that, I always wondered, I'm like, why is this even a topic? Um, you know, and, and so Lake have kind of quashed that. So there you go. Um, I'm going to go join the pool up now. Uh, if you want to catch me there, I was very stoked to be invited. One of the questions I'm going to have for them 
is how the hell did they get Steve Kerr to come on their podcast a few weeks ago? They did. Steve Kerr has not uh, done any long-form interviews outside of appearances on 95.7 The Game, where he's actually making money for those appearances, to the best of my knowledge. Um, it's a sponsored segment. He doesn't do long-form one-on-one interviews with anyone besides that, uh, at least not for this past year. I, I sat down with him back in 2017. Um, I don't see people doing that much now. And I saw him the other day on the pull-up, and I gave that show credit. I'm like, wow, good job booking Steve Kerr. Uh, and then they reached out and asked me to come on. And I was like, hell yeah, dude, let's do it. So I'm going to join, go on with them right now um, and talk Warriors. We'll see how that goes. So go check out their podcast if you want to keep watching me. Um, want to quickly mention the Sacramento Kings signed Nerlens Noel. Would not mind him on the Warriors. The Warriors should get a big with that 14th or 15th spot. Um, and again, if, if they end up with... Uh, JaVale McGee, I'm ecstatic, would not mind uh, Myers Leonard if he ends up being the player. But I encourage, I implore, I beg the Golden State Warriors, do not use your 14th roster spot on Lester Quinones. I love Lester. I, I really do. I think he has a role on this team in, in the future and maybe even the present. He looked good in Summer League. Um, but you can keep him with the two-way deal and use that 14th roster spot for a legitimate big, please, uh, Douglas Mikes also writes, um, uh, I'm not super familiar with uh, Usman Garuba, but you write, he is a name to watch out for. So, all right, sounds good. Thank you, everyone, for joining me. We'll be back at this tomorrow with Kylan Mills. I'm going to go join the pull-up right now. Um, is there anything else I should mention? Is there anything else on the chat? Uh, Xavier, thank you, man. Thank you so much. Very, very kind words from you. Thank you. Um, Robert Rice, I think they should have taken Nick Smith. Yeah, he was. He's been. he's been doing good. Uh, I don't, I, I would not hate that. Um, uh, Mr. Massa street writes, Eric Dampier is available. Why not? Um, <laughs> and I'm out. All right, folks. I sincerely thank you for joining me. Uh, follow the program on Twitter, locked on dubs, follow me on threads. No threads is not dying. It's a very new platform. The moment they, they, uh, uh, set up a customized, customizable home feed for users. It's going to be a game changer at that point right now. They're just growing. Uh, so I'm on both threads at dog wild and on Twitter at dog surf Rocho. Um, and dude, thank you. Thank you. Everyone serious, sincerely from the bottom of my heart. Thank you. And anybody who ever brings positivity, this direction, I, I appreciate it. I welcome it. Um, and otherwise we'll be back at this tomorrow. Take care. Bye everyone. Later.